are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Steve Angel, and I'm really excited for a, a couple of different reasons tonight. The, the first and foremost, the biggest one, I've got my 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 two really good hunting buddies and, and both of my co-hosts on the line right now. How's it going, Nick and Tom? Nick, you go first. Oh, it's it's going. Uh, it's real busy. Not much of a season thus far, but I'm hoping that picks up later. Um, what about you, Tom? Yeah, it's going good. Uh, got out of bear camp and was out uh, hunting deer yesterday and uh, had an unfortunate squirrel get a little too close. Uh, so got something for the pot, but uh, just kind of ramping up on my end. So unfortunate for the squirrel. Mm, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I think this may be... Uh, other than your your uh, out of country experiences, this may be the first hunting season where both of you guys have actually been in the woods before me. I still haven't made it out. Um, I've thought about it a couple times, and I, I'll even go as far as to say I haven't even got my gear out. So it would take me a half a day just to get all my stuff rounded up. But um, just a just a lot of stuff going on. Um, in fact, Sean Clarkson sent me a message. I think it was yesterday and asked me you you know if i was okay because it was you know <laughs> we've had some gaps and and i apologize to everybody i mean i know there's been some gaps there's been some scheduling challenges um uh, with hunting season approaching i've i've been buried by uh string orders so mm. that's part of it which is that's not a bad thing it's just i've in fact that's all i've been doing this weekend uh, you know, the, with, with Bella going off to school, we've been, we've spent a lot of weekends with her and we'll still have some coming forward. So, um, this weekend was a catch up on string weekend. Next weekend, Bella's going to be, um, home for, uh, uh, um, midterm break. So, uh, she'll be here for the weekend and the next week's just crazy because we've got the, uh, and she's all fired up about this. We got the Amana Marth concert that we're going to. Uh, that's next Wednesday, I think. Uh, I've never seen them before, and she's real excited about it too. So that'll be a lot of fun. But maybe, maybe next weekend, I'm or not next weekend, weekend after next, I'm planning on hopefully getting out in the woods, and I might get in an afternoon here and there between now and then. Yeah, it's been kind of weird just not talking about hunting with you. Believe me, it's been weird not not talking or thinking about hunting. It's just one of those things where right now. Uh, I'm just in a position I can't, if I, if I let myself start thinking about it and, and wanting to do it too much, I'm just going to get depressed or mad. So I've just kind of, <laughs> I've just kind of set it on the back burner right now. I mean, um, it's been, and it's been so hot here too. It's not like I've missed trying to get out and get into a tree. You know, it's 85 degrees at six o'clock, um, 95 to a hundred midday. So mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not breaking my heart to be we're sitting not, that. We're not that close, but I mean, it is, uh, it, it's been high 80s, uncharacteristically warm and super wet. I mean, that's the other reason. It's been raining like crazy all year, really. So it feels like every, every other weekend we're getting blown out by rain. So I hear you. I'm not, you know, I'm not really, I'm kind of been of the opinion that good hunting doesn't start in Michigan until like November. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and, that's the way it seems it has been and it's a lot the same way here i mean you can you can definitely get out and hunt you can take you know i've taken animals in september here um but there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges that go with that too because you get an animal on the ground it's you know 95 degrees and and you know some of the areas i hunt it, it takes a while mm-hmm. to get an animal out so like i said and and to be perfect if i'm being honest with myself and everybody else you know i uh, I, I did not force myself to get out and exercise like I should have this year too. So, um, I know I'm going to be just sweating like a, a pig trying to get out there and do anything in 90 degree weather. So, you know, a, a, all things considered, it's, it's just not that big a deal, um, right now, but I'm, I'm still looking forward to it and it'll, it'll come soon. Now, Tom, uh, your, your bear camp, was it, was it, how was the weather for that? Was it hot? Was it average? What was it? Yeah, so we're uh, a couple days into October. Um, yeah, it, up there it was it was pretty warm and uh, real buggy early in the season. 
Um, I hit it just in time for the switch, so I don't think I ran a thermocell up there. I can't remember. Uh, you know, actually, I did a little bit. Uh, so there were some bugs left, but uh, it was kind of the pivot season. But the acorns really started falling, and nobody was seeing bears. You know, everything on camera got real nocturnal. Um, it definitely turned in uh, from them hitting bait to walk up, sniff the bait, walk off, eat something else. So sounds like we're kind of near historic lows for game check uh, stations up there. So it's not just guys with longbows. It's not just bow hunters. It's everybody. It's everybody. Um, so that's pretty rough. And, you know, the first four days here downstate were, you know, like Nick said, in the 80s. It just switched kind of yesterday. I think it was 44, 46 when I went out yesterday morning. So um, I was super pumped. I, I thought I was in the zone. Uh, but because of all that rain, there was flooding. And the funnel that I was sitting in when I walked out, I was kind of checking like why no deer came through. And it was, you know, not quite knee deep and a long crossing. So I, I think it shut down what I thought I was going into. Right. Um, but at least it's cooled off now. So that's a good thing. Well, good deal. Well, we've had uh, the last two days have been in the 70s. So it looks Hopefully, summer's, you know, about to give up. Um, I'm hoping so anyway. So I know we already have a bunch of leaves falling. So, you know, I figure by the time I actually get some time to get out, it'll probably be, you know, really good weather. Uh, animals will be moving more. So uh, it, uh, if if nothing else, I think I'll avoid the, um, the, the some of the frustration that you get here in the early season where, you know, animals just aren't moving much because it's so hot and you're, you're sitting out there and spending a lot of time in the in the in the woods, you know, without seeing a lot. So, like I said, I'm trying to you know just focus on the positives and and we'll see what uh, mid October bring and go from there. So, um, and I I do want us to get into our uh, our content. We're actually going to pick up and and have the episode that that we had tried to schedule a couple of weeks ago when you and I sat down, Tom and. Nick was getting hammered by thunderstorms and, and you actually had some, I think you had some network issues that night or something yeah, uh, from the weather. So, uh, but we, we, we wanted to get together, uh, and talk about, uh, our, uh, some of, one of our favorite hunting stories. I know we were chatting a little bit before this started and we may end up making this a, uh, something we do every, every few weeks, just get together and tell some stories, you know, kind of have a, a campfire style chat uh but this came about through a discussion i had with jerry russell uh, a few weeks ago and and you know we i think we sometimes lose sight of it that with all the um the whack'em stack'em crowd and the the outdoor tv and the the hunting shows where they try to compress a you know weeks of hunting down to 20 minutes and it it looks so easy and all that stuff we you know one of the things that jerry said was the way you told uh the story about your uh, your your buffalo hunt and and it wasn't about the size of the animal it was it was about the hunt the experience and those kind of things and and you know if we think about a lot of the times that just the hunts that we've had since we've known each other I mean we've got all kinds of stories just in that short you know five or six years whatever it is now um, you know we've got humorous stories we've got sentimental stories we've got camaraderie stories we've got you know great hunts that that took place um i think the shot was you know four feet if you count the room inside the blind kind of thing <laughs> i mean we've got <laughs> we, we we've got some really really good stories that both you know success and and trial and error and and making fun of ourselves and those kind of things so i think it would actually be good you know to do this every you know, maybe it's once a month we get together and do these things, but uh, I think I think people will enjoy it, especially the the people that that like to listen to shows like this. Um, so we're going to start that first one tonight. But before we get into that, um, we uh, had the the um, bow giveaway. Thanks again to uh, Kalamazoo Bow Works um, uh, stepping in and and offering that that bow for the giveaway. We've been running that for a month. Um, and the winner was selected, um, last night. And I want to talk about that just a little bit before I, I, I announce on here who the winner was. Um, you know, I've done a lot of giveaways here. I've done a lot of giveaways, 
uh, through Facebook and so forth for uh, Simply Traditional. And before I did this, because it was a, a bigger item, I said, you know what, I want to do uh, the giveaway in a different manner. Because uh, normally what I do is I just save all the names, put them in a notepad, uh, throw them into a random name picker on the web and click a button and it picks the winner. And every time I can't tell it always stresses me out because I think about, you know, is, is, is it going to look like, you know, favoritism or are you pick because you always worry when you hit that button, is it going to be somebody that I know really well? Uh, so I decided when I did the bow, I was going to just pay for a service, um, that would let me, you know, let people enter multiple times, multiple ways, get the traditional door outdoors name out, of course, get Kalamazoo Bow Works name out, of course, uh, give them multiple chances to enter. And at the end of the contest, it would just send me the winner. It would pick it automatically and I had nothing to do with it. So, but as I was thinking about all of that, you know, I got to thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, the, the funny thing is, we I typically have hundreds of people enter these things, and in this one, it was that was no different. There was there were hundreds of people that entered. Um, most of the people took advantage of at least two of the different entry methods, so there was there were a lot of entries for this thing. Um, and I don't I don't even get to see the names right uh, where before I always got to see the names, but as I got to thinking about it, it was one of those things where. Every time I see those names come in and I'm putting those names into the, the, the notepad that I used to use for that, I know all these people. And most of them I've met, I've talked to. At a minimum, I've had conversations with them on Facebook or on the phone. But most of them, I've, you know, I've met face to face. I've shaken their hands. So it, it would be almost impossible to, to select somebody that I didn't know in at least some way, which really made me feel kind of good. Uh, but I came down this morning. I, I opened up my, my one of my laptops and uh, pulled up the contest webpage just to see who the winner was selected. And I, I honestly had to smile just a little bit. Um, I met this gentleman, I guess it's through, uh, going on three years ago. I think this coming Comptons will be three years since I, since I met him. Um, he's a great guy. He's always talking about uh, the episodes. He, he shared episodes. I don't think there's a single uh post that comes up on facebook where somebody's asking about a bowstring that he doesn't chime in and um and and point them towards the the simply traditional site and he's just a he's just a great guy and i honestly i was like i said i just had to smile and all three of us know him uh nick already knows who it is because i was messaging him on facebook uh later earlier this morning but um ryan tucker one the uh the longbow from kalamazoo bow works so well, that's cool uh, and i know you and i know you know ryan real well yeah. as well tom so yep so ryan you were you were the winner i'll be uh getting you in touch um with david and we'll we'll get you squared away and i'm not sure uh, if you are a member of Compton's yet um if you aren't you are now and i'll be working with you to take care of that and if you are already a member, then um, I'll get you renewal next year. And if by chance, again, I don't think you are, but if by chance you're a life member, then, you know, you can recommend somebody and we'll we'll get them set up. So congratulations, Ryan. Uh, can't think of a, a, a nicer guy that uh, could have won that contest and uh, look forward to chatting with you about it. Uh, you know, we... Uh we, we should test him, though. We should not tell him about it or post anything anywhere and just see if he's actually listening. <laughs> oh, he's... <laughs> well, he's listening because I, I know things that he's posted and, and that he said. I know, I know he is listening, but that is a good point. Yeah, we just just wait a couple of weeks and he doesn't say anything and go, are you going to ever claim your prize? But actually, I, th- I think the uh, when, I, when I officially close out this contest... I think it actually has to send him a, an email to make sure he responds and that kind of thing. So haven't done it yet, but I'll be doing that that later this afternoon. So man, that's so cool, man! New new bow day coming for Ryan, and given where we are, man, that could be like Kalamazoo Expo time frame. That'd be that'd be yeah, it could great. it very it very well could be, and I'm I'm planning on being at the expo this year too. So um, maybe get some maybe get some photos with him of his of his bow if not we'll definitely have to do it at Compton's next year so awesome uh, that kind of stuff always makes me I, I love doing it I love doing the giveaways um, love working with the companies that you know that that step up and help me with the the gear to do these things and so forth but when you 
and I don't know of anyone that's ever that's ever won something that I didn't go well I don't know them at all so it just always feels good but for some reason this one just felt really good um the times we we spent you know after after Compton's last year when it was 118 degrees down in that hole chatting with uh Ryan and those, Neil and those guys just a lot of good laughs mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of good memories so and speaking of memories I say we jump in here and, and get to this so uh we talked about it a little bit. I think I've got this right. I think Mr. Nick, you get to you get to go first here. Tom said he didn't want to follow me, so nope. uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll don't we'll really go, want to follow uh, Nick, but I will. <laughs> we'll go. Uh, we'll go. Well, do you want to go first? Nah, let Nick All go. right. All right. We'll take it away, Nick. Okay, so uh, I guess I get to set the precedence here for how we're doing this. Um, but all right, so we had to pick a story, our, our favorite hunting story. And, uh, it was really hard for me. Uh, it, it was hard to kind of go through. I've, I've never really written a, a hunting story just to write one. Um, I've always had to have a purpose and it's always had to have, uh, mean something to me. And, um, so when I was, when I was kind of racking my brain over this, I thought, you know, what, what is the one that probably meant the most to you out of everything that you've written? And it kind of surprised me. And it, it's, uh, it's dad's deer from life and longbows from my book. Um, when I wrote that, it was actually originally an article in, uh, Trad Archer's world, uh, years ago. And it was called, uh, the magic of Juniper junction. And when I started going through all the stories I'd written, um, I, I really, I didn't want to put together a book that was just a bunch of short stories that didn't have any connection. Uh, and I, I, I had to, I started to rewrite it and edit it and it took shape and it kind of, made me realize that this is about something else. Um, the place we were hunting at at the time, we called it Juniper Junction because it was a place behind my grandpa's cabin uh, up north in uh, Sheboygan. And uh, it, it was on a nice little juniper ridge with a bunch of juniper bushes because those things are everywhere. And I actually hunted from the inside of a jun- juniper bush, and that's kind of where that story takes place. My dad trimmed it out for me, and I got inside the bush, and... Um, you know, and I almost took a deer from it. Uh, but basically, the synopsis of it is that at the time, it was around 2011. Um, I was a really young hunter. Uh, might even have been 2010. Um, it was my it was my second season. So I had taken a deer the year before. That was my first year. I was lucky enough to have that happen, and and I and I was hitting it again the second year. And I still didn't really know what I was doing. And I was, and my dad was kind of getting back into hunting. I got him back into it. And I started making a a pilgrimage up North to hunt with him, uh, every hunting season to, you know, once or twice. And we, we go back there behind the cabin because he had a lot of memories up back then, uh, hunting back then. Um, and I deer camp with my grandpa and his friends. So we, uh, we went back there and we hunted back there and I hunted on this, out of this juniper bush and he hunted, on the other side of this dried up pond and the deer were like coming between us they'd pass past him and they'd come um by my ridge so one of us would have a shot at these deer and there was there was these deer back there my dad kept telling me he was hunting back there for um a couple weeks before i got there he's like i've got these three deer back here and he had named them he called one big ears which was a big doe and then her two yearlings which we called frickin frack that was their names. <laughs> and they were both weird looking deer too. They they were like black almost. Um, short snouted, uh, really strange looking. And uh, every day my dad would tell me, you know, I'm seeing these deer. And I told my mom, I'm like, well, he says he's seeing deer Why every day. Why isn't he shooting these deer? You know, he's, he's you know, it's just not working out for him. And when I, and I kept wondering that and I, I finally got up North and, you know, we got ready to go hunt and I was talking to my mom the night before and she said, Nick, dad, don't, your dad don't want to shoot those deer. Your dad don't want to shoot any deer, you know, and he, he's out there for the looking really. He's, he's not really out there to shoot them. And I said, nah, I can't be it. He's, he wants to hunt. You know, he's, he's talking about, it. he's like, well, he, he talks a big game, but your dad never really, I mean, he, there came a time, you know, after you guys were born where he just kind of stopped hunting. And I said, well, who knows? We'll see. So I go out there bound to determine I'm going to take one of these deer with my dad. So I go out there and, uh, I'm in one spot. He's in the other spot. 
It's a night hunt. It's around six o'clock. You know, we got about an hour and a half to daylight. And everything just right at, or dark, I mean, and every, right at dark, everything starts to jump off. Sure enough, those deer, they don't come near my dad first. They come behind me. And I'm in this bush. And at the time, I was hunting with like this little 61-inch bow. So I, I wasn't I wasn't hunting with like a big longbow or anything yet. And, uh, you know, they they were literally brushing the bush around me. So I was amped up the entire time. I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm going to get ready to shoot. You know, and I was sitting on this little stool, and I dropped down to a knee, and I had the arrow knocked. And after I saw big ears go by, I'm like, okay, well, I already missed big ears. I'm going to shoot one of these other deer. Well, then Frick walked by, and then Frack was about probably 15, 16 yards away. And um, on the line, on the edge, right on the pond. And I'm like, I got it. I mean, I don't know if I could actually shoot this thing. It's so small, you know. And my dad had always told me all my life, he's always like, you know, well, you know, he, he came from the generation of you don't even shoot does. That's not a gentlemanly thing to do. You shoot bucks. And there was this weird charm thing. Like, I, I mean, I guess I guess it kind of equates a little bit to turkey hunters and, and only and even when even when hens are in season, never shooting a hen only shooting toms or jakes it's kind of like that there's this uh some element of you know in the gentleman's game of hunting you only shoot worthy worthy prey and you don't shoot the ladies so my dad had never shot a doe um and he never shot a a, a deer under like 120 pounds so there was this romance of this big buck or this big doe and so I had this in my head going, you know, I don't think he wants me to shoot these deer, but I kind of want to shoot this deer. Like I put my time in, I want to shoot this deer, you know? So sure enough, you know, I said it was going by and I was, I was ready and I'm like, I'm losing my chance. Here I go. I have to prove that that wasn't a fluke last year. I need to shoot this deer. So I, uh, I drew back and I, you know, I anchored and I let her go. And I mean, it sailed like probably a foot over this deer's back. I mean, this was a small deer, and it went out into the pond and splashed into the water, so my dad heard it. So, long story short, we got up, We, uh, I went and found my dad, and man, we were both excited, you know, they walked by him after, but, you know, I said, hey, did you get a shot? Nope, didn't get a shot, you know, the typical, and dad said, did you shoot? And I said, yeah, I shot. And he goes, did you shoot? We shouldn't, you couldn't have shot at Big Ears, what'd you shoot at? I said, I think I shot at, you know, Frick or Frack, one of the two, and he goes, why? And I said, well, they were there, and they're deer. And that's what we're here to do. And he, he kind of looked at me like disapprovingly in the dark. I remember walking back like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, you know, you're not one of those meat as meat hunters, are you? You know, don't you have, you know, you have any standards? I mean, you, you know, just because you're, we're hunting with traditional gear doesn't mean you, you, you lower your standards on the animal you're shooting kind of thing. And that's kind of the conversation we had. And, uh, I remember thinking, well, dad, I mean, I felt ashamed of myself and I kept on thinking, well, dad, people shoot deer like this all the time in the traditional world. You know, this is, you know, if I'm going to eat it, you, what does it matter what I'm shooting? You know, a big buck's got just as much right to live as a, as a young deer. I mean, except he's been around longer and is smarter. This one's, this one's a small, dumb yearling. And you know, what's the difference? Um, and I, I had to wrestle with that and he said, well, that's why you missed it. You didn't really want to kill that deer. And that's kind of the conclusion he brought himself through, uh, too. Um, but I, I sat down, and when I wrote that story, I mean, that bothered me the entire time back to Grand Rapids, that conversation. And, and I don't think we ever really talked about it again, even after we read it. And my dad loves the story, by the way. Um, but it, it, the story is about really me coming to terms, terms with what kind of a hunter I was. And what was my line? What was my ethical line? What was my standards? What, 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 what was a hunter to me? What was, what was being a bow hunter? And, and also coming to grips with, I'm going to be dis in a disagreement with my father. And we pretty much agreed on everything. And at that time in my life, you know, that was, that was new to me. You know, I, I just didn't, we always saw eye to eye on everything we talked about and talked about almost, talked almost every day. So that's kind of how that ended up. You know, I, I, and it really changed my perspective on what a hunter actually was and what being a traditional bow hunter meant.
Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of why I chose it, you know, on, on those, those elements, you know, I think that every, every bow hunter has to have that question or that they have that dilemma. What, what am I about? What is my line? And it's always different than somebody else's line. And there's reasons why they have those lines. Uh, what do you guys think? Oh, man. You know, what's interesting to me is a couple of things that ended up in your book about conversations that you and I had. They were not pivotal conversations to me in my life. And when I read them written down later, I was surprised that they meant more to you than they did to me. And I wonder, you know, in that moment, you know, what your dad was exactly thinking. You'll never really know. And it's interesting. It's interesting what you, what you take in. Um, yeah, that's an interesting absorb. point. Mm-hmm. I never, I never thought about it that way, but there's probably a lot of conversations in that book with Steve too, that he probably didn't think that it really meant anything or off the cuff and it, and it did or John or Rob or, or, you know, anything, I guess nobody really knows how, how what kind of impact they have to be on people with, with what they say. <laughs> it's but, funny. I, so I'm just going to start telling the story myself and I had no idea might, this was going to connect. Go ahead. You mind? You mind if I get in there for just a minute first, Tom? I, I hate to right. derail you, but I was sitting there listening to Nick, and a couple things kind of a couple things kind of went through my, my mind. And I just I, I guess I want to share with everybody and with you guys as I was listening to Nick tell that. You know, I've said many times my my dad wasn't a hunter. He he would carry us out squirrel hunting every now and then, and, and the 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 bulk of anything that that he would try to um, impose upon us was more around safety. You know, always make sure your gun's pointed in a safe direction, those kind of things. Always treat a gun as it's loaded. Um, and as I'm sitting there listening, Nick, something just kind of dawned on me. You know, my, my dad never really deer hunted the whole time I was growing up. Um, he didn't honestly didn't care much for the amount of zeal that I had for pursuing whitetails, even, you know, at a young age, because there was a lot of work to be done. And, and, you know, he was always about the, the farm came first, but thinking back on another situation that happened years later, I honestly wonder now if it wasn't just because he wasn't, um, I think maybe he felt differently about, uh, shooting deer than he did about, squirrels or rabbits those kind of things and part of that may have been the time you know i can remember for years never seeing a deer i can remember still remember exactly where i was standing and where the deer was the first deer i ever saw and it was in probably the mid to late 70s um because it just there wasn't a lot of deer around but um the only time i know of my father ever going out hunting me and my brother talked him into going with us one morning uh, and this has been 20 years ago uh, and he had a little buck came in and he shot and he, he hit the deer and we, I spent the day looking for it, never did find it. And to the best of my knowledge, he never went back. That was, that was his one experience. He wanted nothing else to do with it. Uh, and thinking back, listening to what some of the things Nick's dad was saying. And, and I just wonder if, you know, it just was, it was something that he just didn't, he didn't, he didn't want him he didn't want him hunted maybe. I, I don't know, but. Thank you for sharing that, Nick. I appreciate that. I know I've read it, but listening to you tell it was a little bit different than reading it. So awesome. Um, so anyway, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. So what I was thinking was, you know, the the little things that you don't think are big things in the moment. Right. Um, so about six, seven years ago, I was hunting hogs. Uh, in South Carolina, as I as I surely like to do every chance I had, and um, hunting partner uh, Joe snapped a picture, and in that picture, looking at it right now, there's a uh, leaf litter on the ground, some some down pine needles, uh, a lot of scrub, a lot of a lot of bushy uh, trees. 
uh, in the center of the frame, there's a, a hog, jet black, beautiful. Average size, nothing, nothing huge, but just beautiful pig. And um, I'm there, and got a, some plaid wool on, and I'm reaching down, and my hands on the hog's shoulder, and I'm taking my hat off, and I'm I'm kneeling next to the animal, and I'm saying something. night before this picture was taken, there was a hog I was hunting. Uh, it's going to sound corny. Ghost face. There was this pig with a white streak straight down its face. And I had it on camera. It was a big pig. I really wanted to get that one in my freezer. I thought that would be a great eating pig. And uh, chased after it for a few trips and I, I set up a ground blind. I was, uh, backed up some really thick cover and looking out over a mud bog that was kind of flooded into, saw a lot of wood ducks in there. Um, and right at dusk, I can see between the, uh, the tufts of grass, I can see that white streak and that snout pointed at me and I was real excited. And something about the setup, really, that hog didn't like. But in the meantime, two more hogs came in. Nice, nice size eating hogs. Uh, it was December. Oh, my goodness. I want to say it wasn't quite freezing, but it was close when I went into the blind. It might have been. I know I, know I saw ice over some mud puddles that, that winter. It was a December hunt. But it was cold. And it was getting dark, and I had a really close, very clear shot at this uh, this black hog. Uh, I pulled back my my new longbow. At that point, that one had not been hunted yet. I'd only been scratched up in some green briar in Georgia prior to that. <laughs> but I pulled that bow back and. Uh, I shot this hog and, you know, it, it took off, off to my right and it, uh, went into some thick cover and being, you know, well below 40. Um, and that time of year, you know, dark is pretty early. I went back to camp and, uh, I told the guys it was, uh, well, Terry Green was there among other people and Andrew, of course. A few other guys, Joe, um, told him the story, told him the shot. I thought it was really good. Um, and we loaded up and went out. And right next to the shot location, uh, could see where it bedded and ran out. So I didn't know if we bumped it or not. Um, so pull back out, right? <laughs> one of those things it's like it's definitely cold enough do the right thing pull out don't push it just in case um can't sleep you know that one of those bow hunter nights and uh, got up in the morning had a little coffee uh charlie came in and everybody wanted to track nobody wanted to hunt everybody wanted to come help me try and find this pig and uh so we went out and there was as soon as that thing had jumped out of that bed there was no blood uh the first drop we found some 40 yards later and it was a tough track and we were pulling out all the tricks and i couldn't believe i shot that pig that good and it didn't just expire and about 300 yards into the track, 350 yards, uh, at one point, Charlie just says, hey, there's your pig. <laughs> yeah, we're all nose down looking at pine needles and spraying hydrogen peroxide and shining, you know, thousand lumen flashlights underneath leaves. And yeah, sure enough, there it was. Uh, there was the pig. And uh, I just said, uh, oh, wow. Thank you, Charlie. 
thanks everybody and I have something along the lines of uh, I just need a minute here and that was when Joe snapped the picture I didn't know it he, he took the picture I was, I, I was in my own zone my head was turned away from him and uh, after I said what I had to say we picked the pig up drug it out, you know, loaded it up, took it to the skinning shed. Uh, one of the best eating hogs I've ever had in my entire life. It was, it was a, it was a great hog. And after the trip, uh, Joe sent me an email, you know, salutation, little chit chat back and forth and uh, a handful of pictures and, and this picture being among it. Right. Some are just sitting around the table, drinking coffee, laughing, you know, stuff like that. But this picture was in there. And at first, <laughs> I felt utterly betrayed that something so very personal and such a strong connection had been, I felt violated just by the act of taking a picture of it, right? It was, it was a moment of deep gratitude. And I sat on that for a long time. I looked at the picture, I actually printed a copy, put it in a frame, put it on my desk, and I looked at it frequently. I really thought about that picture. And after some time, I came to realize, I said, you know what? This is a moment that is the most pure and the best thing of what we do. I could not be more reverent than I am in this moment for this animal and this gift and this opportunity that I had. And at that moment, I realized that, you know, hero shots or whatever is fine, but this is the heart of what we are all about. This is the best of what we do. Respectful, grateful, reverent. And it's a thing that we don't talk about. It's a thing that a lot of us like to keep very personal. And to me, that's my connection to nature. If you encapsulate it, you want to know what I feel about the woods I go into and the animals I pursue, this is it. And so when I was thinking about stories to share tonight, I was thinking of funny things or things that matter or things that don't. I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to pull out a good one. And that's the story I wanted to share. Wow. Did you ever, and uh, I, I think you're right, Tom. It's it's that shot. That shot. It, it's a great photo. It's probably one of the best hunting photos I've ever seen. And it's most people take it after all that. After that happens, it's like you know they gather themselves and they and they and they do that for you know probably for that reason or whatever other reason. But um, I will say that after you did that there actually were quite a few photos um, from the community for, for a while that were kind of similar. Like they, people like almost mimicked you a little bit. They kind of let it ride oh. and let people, let it, let people take their photos that at that, at, at that moment. Um, but which I thought was really cool, but you know, cause I always thought, Hey, Tom started that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but, about that. Uh, but Go ahead. Nick. But it was very, if, if you, when you see that photo, it's so genuine. And I mean, you can fake it, but that is so genuine. Um, and it's, and it's, it's really something. It, so you, you had, you had to go there with the fake it. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be perfectly honest as I always am. Um, most of the time when I see those photos, the, the uh, cynical part of me just says it's staged. It's, you know, that, 
that that yeah that was done that was done for a, a reason it wasn't just a happenstance thing um but that said i got a little story about tom i'm gonna throw out here real quick oh. um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll try to keep you sure short about this? I, I know i am i'm very sure about this because it's okay. one of those things you guys were talking earlier about you know conversations that are had or you know things somebody says that they may say it without even really thinking about it, but it has a lot of meaning to it. You kind of tuck those away, and sometimes they even come back to you later, right? And you're sitting there going, you know, he was talking about this, or or he was, you know, we were talking, having this discussion, and and you know, this is what he had to say, and nobody really thought anything about it. But you think about it, and then you realize that's who that's who that person is. That that came out just happenstance. And that's who that person really is. And some of those things get really deep. Um, and and we've talked about this actual hunt on this podcast. Um, and it was one of those where I really didn't want to hunt. And I knew I didn't have a choice because Tom was going to make me hunt that day. Um, but <laughs> it was on Tom's birthday a couple years ago. And I shot mm-hmm. an absolutely beautiful black hog just like Tom is talking about. And once I finally caught his attention, because Tom gets in a zone, I think I could have lobbed grenades at him and he might not have looked up. But I finally got his attention and here he comes. And that, you know, that that seven foot stride that he has, he, you know, eight steps and he, he covered a, a hundred yards and he was there. Um, Tom shook my hand and the very next thing he did without any 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 words or anything else he took his boonie hat off and went down to the creek and started bringing water up to wash the mud and the, the blood off this hog before even thinking about taking a picture. That's the kind of people I want to hunt with. Um, it was a pretty pig. So when I, when I see Tom with a picture like that and I read that story and I, I know this name of that, that when you, 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 you wrote that up and it was gratitude and respect. Um, it wasn't for a second that I had any cynical thought of of that being staged. I know that's who that's who Tom is, and that's why I choose to hunt with you. Um, so anyway, I I just wanted I, I kind of wanted to throw that in because it, it it's one of those things that it's one of those little things. A lot of people wouldn't think anything about that. I'm sitting there going, "Wow, you know, to to take the time and then he you know he put that muddy wet." swamp water hat back on his head <laughs> and and hoofed it two and a half miles back to get the gator to get that hog out um so anyway great story tom thank you for sharing that i, I know i've heard it i know other people have probably read it but it it it's a great it's a great hunting story to share so thank you for that uh, I guess that leaves me, and I'm now I'm sitting here. We talked about before we started this who was going to follow who, and now I'm sitting here going, "Wow, I wish I'd made Tom go last." Now, um, <laughs> not really uh, sure I want to. <laughs> I want to follow that. Um, You've got a story, and I want to hear it. So you know, it's kind of funny, Nick. You said the first one that you, the the story that you related earlier was was published, and this one was as well. And it's kind of funny that we we talked about doing this and. Uh, yesterday I get a, a message on Facebook or maybe it was an email. One of the two, I get an email or a message just completely out of the blue from Ned Miller. Um, and he needed some strings for some little project he's doing. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, I've been talking with Ned back and forth in email and on Facebook the last two days, but this or this story was actually, uh, one of the very first ones that 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 I had published anywhere, it was in Stick and String. Um, and Nick, you helped. You actually helped do the the editing, and and you know I was still really learning how to put things from my head uh, on the paper. Not so much being able to tell a story, but telling the story well. Um, but uh, this took place in in 2012. Um, and the story really covers uh, a, a full year, and it's it's kind of funny, Tom, because you've already mentioned something that just kind of happenstance as you were going through talking about the Greenbrier. Um, that's the exact same place where this this whole this whole thing unfolded. Um, 
and to try to create a, a picture of what I'm talking about here, because I think it is, is part of this story. This is on public. This took place on public land. Um, it's a small bow hunting only WMA. That's pro I think it's 1500 acres. Um, all three of us have, have hunted on it in the past. Um, Nick missed a, you know, that the whole, uh, major award thing that, that I did for Nick, um, took place here. Um, Tom, you actually saw deer here, but you got lost in the green briar. But that little that little section that you hunted, where it was the green briar, and and you keep telling everybody that I put you in this this tree that once you climbed up, the you know it slowly started leaning and lowering you back to the ground because the tree was so small. Um, is this little triangle? I would guess it's probably an acre in size, maybe a little bit more. Um, but there's a there's a road and a um, and a power line that create a, a a big triangle, and then this this pine this this planted pine section is just part of that, and it's a smaller triangle. And the deer use those pines as a as a funnel. It's very thick. The trees are all very small. They're getting bigger now, but when all this took place, they were they were very small. Um, and I've looked I'd looked at it to hunt it for a couple of years. Um, and I was trying to figure out how I wanted to hunt it because I, you know, the 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 more likely place to hunt would be at the very point of this triangle because again, it just creates a natural funnel. The problem with that is there's a good chance, I would say probably a seventy percent chance or better that if you shoot something or shoot at something, it's going to run straight across the road, um, and that's just not a scenario that I think is very. Uh, safe to do uh last thing i'd want to do is shoot a deer and run out in front of a car and somebody get hurt um so i started looking at this little area as far as where i could get set up have an opportunity to to shoot a deer using a, this was going to be a natural blind because again at that time the trees weren't big enough to to hang a stand um and i, I found a good area and it was actually the blind was right behind where that stand that you tried to hunt uh was located um, and I'd, uh, I'd set up a camera, uh, right after deer season ended that year. And I left the camera up through the start of turkey season, which would have been, uh, mid April, I guess. Um, I pulled the camera and I had a lot of deer on it, but I had this one doe that you could almost set your clock by her. She would come by there at about the same time of the morning, um, coming from the same direction and, and over time it developed a pattern that it was on certain days that she would come through there. So I went and put the camera back out after turkey season ended and I checked it one time before deer season, which I think was something like in the latter part of July, 1st of August. And she was still coming through there still pretty much on the same days and the same rough time. And I say rough time, you know, within an hour, hour and a half, um, and I'd already put the blind up, so I had a, I had the blind set. And I was ready to go. Um, and I guess I should say before I go through this, you, know, you always hear people talk about these stories about chasing a, a specific buck or they've located this buck. I've never done that. I've never – I put cameras out, and I will get some good deer, but I just – I never go out and try to actually target a certain animal. But for some reason, this one I, I did in that I said – this is going to be my my opening day spot to hunt or my opening week spot to hunt. I'm going to get a deer on the ground and in the freezer really quick. I mean, I just, I built it up in my head. I had patterned this. I knew exactly what she was going to do. So the season opened uh, in, in September. And I don't think I went there opening day because I was trying to wait for the right wind. But the first opportunity that I had to hunt that location uh, I eased in there real early one morning. I snuck in. I got set up. I was as quiet as I could be. The wind was perfect. Everything was right. And I sat there. And the time that I would have normally seen or start to have seen her uh, come through, I, that came around. I, I'm, I'm getting real, real focused. I'm, I'm looking at every every twig that moves. I'm listening intently. I'm, I'm trying to stay just stone still and not move because it's just a very small natural blind with a little bit of cover. Um, and I remember when that deer blew at me, it sounded like she was three foot from me and right behind me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure if it had been a camera on me, it would have been hilarious because I know I jumped like, crazy 
and I snapped my head around just in time to basically see her trotting off in the other direction with her flag up. And, and I was pretty confident with her, but, um, I was like, you know, what did I, what did I do wrong? Uh, there's no way I thought she could have winded me. And I started thinking about, you know, what do I do next? Um, and I didn't hunt that spot again for many days. It was probably a couple of weeks. Went back in and pretty much the same thing unfolds again. And we played this cat and mouse game. I actually ended up moving um, to another location. I found another uh, real thick area of, of, of um, blackberry vines and so forth and just trampled out a little spot that I could get. And I was trying to make as little intrusion in the area as I could and still have a place to hunt. Um, and shifted, and I thought, well, I'll shift around. Maybe she was coming around um, below the area and somehow doing some kind of button hook where she was coming back through that area, and I tried to you know, head her off that way. And when I would do that, usually I would catch a glimpse of her walking exactly where I was expecting her to be, and she would never come anywhere near where I was set up at. And this went back and forth pretty much the whole season. It became an absolute obsession to try to figure out how I could take this animal. And for some reason, too, I must admit, I was really keyed into doing it from the ground and in this little section of pines, which thinking back was just probably, I don't know if I was just overconfident or what, because it was probably one of the hardest areas I could even try to hunt, other than you could get in there pretty quick, quiet because of the, the pine needles. So anyway... To, to kind of bring this thing back around and, and shorten things up, um, this went back and forth pretty much the whole season. Late in the season now, um, the, the leaves are gone. Um, I had continued to hunt this, this WMA and hunting this specific area once every two or three weeks. I would go in there and I would hunt it, and I had had multiple encounters where she just constantly was, she was busting me left and right. So then I got devious and I'm thinking, okay, so somehow she is getting my wind. I don't know how, but it's the only thing that makes sense. I'm not moving. I know I'm, I'm, I'm hidden well. I'm not making noise other than, you know, my lamp that I'm using to go in when I go in in the mornings, there's just no way this deer should know I'm there other than she's got to be winding me. So I came up with a plan of I'm going to let her, I'm going to intentionally let her wind me and I'm going to try to set up in an area to cut her off as she's trying to slip away. So (laughs) I actually took a Ziploc bag and put my socks in this bag the whole week. So as disgusting as that sounds, I would take my socks off in the afternoon. I'd throw them in a Ziploc bag. Um, And come, I think that was on a, I can't remember if it was a Saturday or Sunday when I decided to go back. I carried this bag of, of dirty, nasty socks. And I parked my vehicle and I started at the, I guess it would be the western end of this little pine thicket. And I started walking down the edge of the road, and I would, about every 30 yards, I would take one of these socks out, and I'd hang it on a branch about waist high. And I did that as far as I could till I ran out of socks, which was, you know, almost down to the, to the point, the area that I wouldn't hunt again. The wind was blowing so that it would take the descent from where I was hanging these socks through that pine thicket, and my plan was I was actually, and I did, um, I waited until it was light enough that I didn't have to use my headlamp. I circled all the way up the power line instead of not even coming through the hardwoods that borders these pines. I came all the way up the, the power line, went several hundred yards out of my way. And then once I got to the point where I was parallel to where I thought I wanted to set up, I then cut into the hardwoods and made my way across the, the hardwoods. Uh, found a tree that I knew I could climb with my climber and up the tree I went just as slow and as quietly as I could I went up that tree and my thought was if she if she smelled what she thought was me she would work down the edge of those pines right on the edge of the pines and the hardwoods staying where she could see 
and where she could smell what was coming through those pines. And if, you know, if something spooked her, she could easily jump in the, in the thick of those pines or cross the road and get out. And that was my whole plan. So I get, I get up in that tree and I get settled in and, and I wait. Uh, and I guess it was around nine, nine thirty. It was, it was good light later in the morning. I caught movement and sure enough, she was working her way. It was almost just like I had, I had mapped it out. She was working her way down the edge of these pines, um, inside the hardwoods, but just inside the hardwoods. And she would stop probably every 10 steps and she would just stare up into those pines and then she'd stand there a minute and she'd look around and then she'd move on and she did this and she did this. She kept coming and the way she was coming, it was going to give me a broadside 10, 12 yard shot. So she keeps coming and I'm, I'm, I'm standing up. I'm ready to take the shot. I've got my bow up. I'm just waiting. And she comes into uh, broadside at, at 10 yards and I've got the bow up and I slowly ease it back. And I feel the corner of my finger, uh, my finger hit the corner of my mouth. I'm picking a spot and I, I'm, I just, I'm sitting there waiting and she stops. She takes a few more steps and I'm, I'm following her. I'm still got this bow at full draw. I'm holding it and I can't, I can't shoot. She stops again. I pick the spot again and I wait. And she starts moving again, and I know I've got one more opportunity, and it's going to give me a 15-yard shot, quartering, slightly quartering away, textbook, perfect. I've got the bow drawn. And it's amazing how many thoughts can go through your mind in a split second. But I'm sitting there, and I literally get into a mental battle with myself as to why I'm shooting this animal. Is it because, uh, is it because I want the meat? Is it because I'm a hunter and the purpose for me being out there is to take an animal's life? Uh, but the, the argument that's, that's winning is, are you just doing this to prove you can? And then I realized I'd let the bow down and she stepped out and that was that. Um, I never went back and, and hunted that deer again. In fact, I don't think I've even hunted that section of that WMA since that day. Um, hmm. and that night I was sitting, and the way this all came about, and a lot of people have, have read this story, um, and the name of the article when it was when it was written was A Hunter Would Understand. And my wife is not a hunter. We don't, you know, she'll ask me when I come back from hunting, how, you know, how was your day? Did you, did you have fun? I don't know that she ever even asked me if I saw anything. She'll just say, did you enjoy yourself? Did you have fun? That kind of thing. Uh, and she asked me that um, when I got home that night. And I said, well, yes and no. And she knew, a, you know, she because she always asked, she knew that I was hunting this, this one specific area. And, and I started relating this story to her. And I told her, I said, everything worked just like I thought it was. And I said, I could not, I could not shoot her. And she said, first thing she said was something like well you know why was it was was something in the way and i said no i i said i mentally i personally i could not shoot her and she just looked at me like you've lost your mind you're you've gone you've gone crazy she says you've been doing this for weeks you've been talking about it for weeks you've been you've been obsessing over this and and then you get the opportunity and and you you said you don't shoot and i said you know what? I, I can't I can't explain it any better than a hand. She said, Well, you know, why would why would you put yourself through that and then not? And the only response I could think of was to tell her that I, only a hunter would understand. And the more I thought about that that night, I just said, you know what, I've got to I've got to put this on paper. Um I and I still to this day, you know, I I honestly do think that subconsciously the voice that was saying you're only doing this for your for your own braggadocious is what won and I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't shoot. Just wasn't in me. Um so that's that is probably you know, I've got some other really good stories. I've got some great hunting stories with both of you guys, but on a personal level, 
that one is probably one that I'll just I'll just never forget. Yep, I, I think that one's your best one. But I knew that the moment I read it that no, this is Steve's this is Steve's best story. It just uh it's just it's good, you know. It's one of those things and I think we've all been there too. Um yeah, in the woods long enough you're you're just gonna have that you know, you found a worthy opponent and you you she earned to live a little longer. You know? So I don't know. I love it. I love it when you tell that story. I think I've heard you tell it. You know, I, I actually I don't know if I've ever heard you tell it. Uh, you might you might have told me after it happened, but I've read it enough. But I love it. It's it's so good. You want to know one more thing that that I'm constantly reminded about that story that result to this day is still a a one v one mental argue, argument with myself is. What if it had been a big buck? What if? I, you know what? I can't answer it. That's just it. I mean, it's just one of those things that I – every time I think about that story, or and I've read it, gone back and read it myself, just you know, kind of relive it, and every time somewhere along the lines that, that thought creeps back into my head. Would it have made a difference if it had, if it had been a big buck and it had horns? And I, I can't answer it. Uh, it's just uh, – Man, that yeah. is, that's something to think about, isn't it? It is. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know what I'd have done. I don't know what I'd have done in either situation. I'm um, buck or doe. But I do think I would have had an easier time letting it walk if it was a doe. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, uh, and that's just it. If, if I'm honest, if I'm truly honest with myself, I would have to say if it had been, been, been a buck, the arrow would have probably flew. I, I I can't say because I, obviously there's no way I could go back and relive that and put you know put horns on this doe. But part of the 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 part of me that I don't want to admit sometimes says if it had been a big buck I'd have shot. But I don't know. I just and I never will. Hmm. No, you'll never know. That's the that's the cool part of it, <laughs> and and the intriguing part of the story. Um, and even knowing you as well as I do, I couldn't tell you if you would or not. <laughs> it's 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 a weird conundrum. Yeah, and I do some weird, stupid things. I know it. So, uh, yeah. Man, that's a that's three solid stories there, guys. Wow. I don't yeah, think when th- we talked about doing this, I anticipated I, an- I anticipated that we would have uh, this much depth, but. Whoa. Well, I think you, uh, I think left to your own vices, you do, you do what you feel the most strongly about and what you're, what you're, I don't want to say the best at, but what means the most to you. You know, I would like for us to get on here and do a, a, a one just like this where we, you know, we just tell humorous stories. It can be about each other or maybe it's, you know, situations that, uh, occurred, you know, before we knew each other, something like that, you know, outdoors related. But I'm, I'm, uh, again, we, I'd love to tell people we staged all this. And we talked about what our stories were going to be up front, but we really didn't. Um, I think we, we said, you know, I kind of prefaced it a couple of weeks ago with what uh, Jerry Russell had said to me and said, you know, just think about what kind of hunting story would you like to get on here and, and just tell. And once again, you guys don't disappoint me. I'm, I'm proud to know the both of you. Yeah, well, same. Likewise. I didn't know what story I was going to tell until we got going. So, um, yeah, it, I, I love the idea that you know, we can just get on and, and start a conversation and see where it goes. Um, I'm still humbled by Jerry liking my story. That, that's cool. And I'd love to tell some funny ones because, I mean, there's all the campfire stories that we picked up over the years with uh, I'm not even going to start the teasers but we've got some well, good ones we, already and we have told some of that we, we've kind of interweaved some of those with you know with other topics of discussion other guests which is pretty cool but I think just to sit and tell them like we would tell them sitting around you know Andrew's dinner table God I've laughed so much down there my you know my sides would hurt when I'd go to bed so um, uh-huh uh, it, it, it's really cool, and I'd, I'd love for other people to be able to 
to, to share in those with us, at least from a from an audible perspective. So, so we'll we'll, th- we'll definitely make that happen. Yeah, I think a comedy one would be a really really funny. I mean, a really good one. Uh, it, it's kind of neat, you know. Character surrounds itself with character, and characters surround themselves with characters. And I think we got plenty of both in this group about all the people we know. So, yeah, we've okay. seen oh. some things. <laughs> we we have definitely seen some things and we and we've heard some things um you know maybe one if we can figure out a way to to do it where john uh john's got some good stories to um Bushin. we just got to figure out a way to get him where he can where he's not going to be robo robo voicing on us the whole time oh we've uh, talked about that a little bit i'm gonna have i'll have john over yeah we, and, we and, need and, to and do we'll that do again. that yeah uh, we'll get we'll give john uh, some good audio and let john let john talk because uh I just hope none of them are about me because uh, <laughs> Lord, Lord knows I've told, I've told they are. I've told enough John stories. John just rolls his eyes every time I start writing because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna know, I know I'm going to be in this one, and I have no idea how, how I'm going to be portrayed. <laughs> uh, but anyway, well, man, good. Ne- yes, and next week we 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 will have a guest. Next week we got Jamie Burkhead joining us, and I'm I'm really excited about that one. I'll be mailing the uh, the recorder off to him. Uh, tomorrow so um, cool. awesome. this one this one will drop probably sometime tomorrow guys I don't I don't have the time tonight to get it edited up but uh, we'll we'll get this one dropped tomorrow I really man I appreciate both of you joining me it's it's been as it always is just a blast yeah, yeah a lot of fun and congratulations once again to uh, Ryan Tucker the winner of the uh, Kalamazoo Bowworks uh, package a huge thank you to david darling for for stepping up and throw that in a uh, huge thank you to uh, compton's traditional bow hunters for letting us uh give away a membership for the, for that great organization um and again apologize for it being a, a slight delay in getting episodes out i appreciate everyone being understanding but i hope the i hope it was worth the wait because I, I do i do think this one was was a really good episode and i hope everyone enjoys it and until next time, take care, everyone. If you're if you're out there in the woods hunting, hope you have a fantastic fall season, and we'll talk to you all again real soon. Take care, all. Bye.